Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to uh, this edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our good friends at FOCO. FOCO have been doing a phenomenal job with the uh, World Series champion bobbleheads of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, they just dropped a limited edition eight-piece set on uh, Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, of this week. Um, it was really cool. Had a, had a bunch of guys in it. I myself missed out on it, so that sucks. But for future reference... If you are a listener of this podcast, which obviously you are because you're listening to me talk right now, for being a listener of this podcast, if you go to the description on whatever platform you're listening to, there's actually a link that's unique. You click on that guy, go add whatever you want to your cart. Maybe it's one of those limited edition bobbleheads, whatever. Add it to your cart, and upon checkout for being a loyal, dedicated listener to this podcast, you will get a discount. Terms and conditions to apply. Please see their website for detail. But big, huge thanks to FOCO. They are the best. They have all the fandom, all the teams, all the leagues. They have everything. So anything you can think of, check it out. FOCO.com. Again, in order to, to get the uh, the special offer that is given to our listeners, click on the link in the description for this podcast, and you'll be good to go. And uh, likewise, our, our good friends at Bleed Los. Uh, once again, I'm surprised that we have not been given a uh, cease and desist for having a similar name, but they're super cool. Bladelos.com. They have a unique Dodgers merchandise that uh, that's pretty dope. El Rojo Chingon. You want one of those shirts? You can get one there. Uh, Joe Stros, Joe Kelly Fight Club. That's one of my personal favorites. You can get that guy there. Fantastic Dodgers uh, um, shirts. <laughs> Sorry, lost my train of thought. Recording ad reads is a trip, but bleedlos.com uh, for all your purchases. Please use bleedlos10. Uh, I'm sorry, bleedlos pod. On no, 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 bleedlos10. Jeez, man, I'm losing it. I'm sorry, we took two weeks off, and now, now we're getting rusty. Bleedlos10 uh, as your promo code, and for being a loyal listener to this podcast, you will get 10% off your purchase. So thanks, huge thanks to Bleedlos uh, for the uh, support and. Uh, and for the for the uh, the promo code again bleedloss.com and uh, thank you the loyal listener to this year podcast you guys have been uh, have uh, reinvigorated us if you will to uh, to do this thing every week so really really appreciate all the support the DMs the tweets huge thanks if you haven't please subscribe um, uh, to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to uh, likewise. Um, you know, any ratings you might have, might have for us, any feedback, we're always open. We're always willing to listen and we're all about that. So again, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We cannot thank you enough. Uh, but on that note, let's jump into the podcast. Here is your boys, Alonso Juan on the Bleed Los podcast. your boys Alonso y Juan with the baby face gimmick in the sky Roger we're back we took a week layoff because it took Roger a week to get home from Arizona uh but uh here, here we are how how, uh, how how sketchy was the drive home Roger I know it took a while I'm glad I survived it and as I was telling you guys earlier I mean we got probably the worst winds I've ever seen coming back from Arizona you know the Eagle 5 actually almost took off in flight so I was glad I was able to you know, hold that down with my manpower, my man strength. So, um, you know, got, got control of the wheel and came in at about 40, 45 miles per hour from Blythe, I think, and we're home. Did you use the Schwartz to get home? No, no Schwartz. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. Slightly, but actually a little more than a little disappointed. I'm pretty disappointed. <laughs> but I'm glad that you made it home safely. And uh, now, now you're back, and we're we're this much closer to the regular season. 
uh as you guys know uh Corey Seager has a uh, has has been using his man strength too all spring and uh my man's going to get paid uh, whether it's by the Dodgers or not if he keeps the suppies it and get paid but i'm kind of curious uh for the from the both of you how sustainable do you guys think this is since we really and also i say that if you will with a grain of salt just because we really haven't seen a full season of Corey until last year that's the key right there, Alonzo, what you just said. I mean, I keep thinking of, you know, every time you see another home run from Corey Seager, we usually get a text from Roger saying, just bubble wrap him now and get him ready for, for opening day. And I think that's the problem with Corey Seager, right? We have to bubble wrap him because you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop with Corey Seager. You're just waiting for the injury to come. Last year, it was a 60-game season, and he was able to sustain it. Can he go ahead and sustain this for 162 games? I, I, I don't know. I have doubts. I mean, the guy is a big dude, and he plays shortstop. Uh, I mean, I know A-Rod made it seem easy when he played shortstop, and I know a lot of people on Twitter might at me, but I felt A-Rod was a better shortstop than Derek Jeter. And when he went over to the Yankees, I thought A-Rod should have been the shortstop. I think that would have made the Yankees a better team. But I get it. It's Derek Jeter's team. So, Derek, you're not going to move him off the shortstop. But other than Cal Ripken, I can't remember a big dude shortstop like, like Corey Seager. And I remember one season, I forget what season it was, when he dove for a ball in the outfield grass. And all of a sudden, he had back issues. And he was out for a few games. So, I think the fact that we're talking about bubble wrap, it, it makes me nervous. Yeah, if the guy can stay healthy because he's just picked up from last year, yeah, he's going to have a monster season and he's going to be able to get – he's just going to be printing money. But I don't know if he can stay healthy, you know, playing at that position. I uh, I happen to agree with you. He's, he's a big dude, but – uh to backtrack one thing that you said about A-Rod. Um, A-Rod had every opportunity to probably be one of the best top five players ever. And he decided to roid. And yeah. now, you know, history has played out, right? Uh, you know, and and obviously he was a better overall baseball player than one Derek Jeter. But, not, you know, I digress. It's still, like you said, it's, it's DJ's team. So yeah. no, no one was going to no top that. Um, what, what I'm, what I'm curious to see obviously is how sustainable this is for Corey. If Corey does it for a full entire season, that's going to be insanity. Uh, cause obviously he's got some of the accolades 2016 NL rookie of the year. Uh, you know, he's, he's been, you know, an MVP talk last year. You know, he has the, he has the ability to be a perennial MVP contender year in year out. If he stays healthy, that's the big thing though. Right. He, in 2018, he had Tommy John surgery. And he went on to hit 19 bombs and 44 doubles uh, in in 139 games in 19. That's basically a full season, right? Uh, that's that's about it. So it's a sample size. Even with last year, it's still a sample size because it was only 60 games plus the postseason. So it, the crazy thing about Corey Seager is with all of the star power around him, he's kind of in some ways underrated. And yeah. It's insane to kind of think that, but when you look at that Dodgers roster, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, obviously, you know, you have Justin Turner, who's who's the Derek Jeter of the Dodgers, if you will. And then from there, you Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw. So, you know, everyone that they talk about, and then Corey's just, he's just under the radar doing his thing, for lack of a better term, in his own way. What, what's going to be interesting to see is obviously is is the, the longevity, you know, because a lot of people think he's made of glass. A lot of people think that he's, he doesn't have that, 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 uh, Cal Ripken's a perfect example, that Iron Man in him, if you will. I don't think we're ever going to see anyone break that record, especially in today's game. But, uh, yeah, we, to use that NBA term, load management, I, I don't think is going to be a, that's one of those that no one's going to touch. But what's also crazy on top of all that, let's say Corey doesn't sign with the Dodgers, right? Because I do think I was telling you guys off air, I think at some point they're going to open up those negotiations. Just because if they wait, and if Corey has a monster year, they're, they're going to need three to four Brinks trucks to, to show up just to resolve that issue, maybe five. Uh, Francisco Lindor, 
Javier Baez, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Corey Seager will be the top of the free agent class at that position next year. First of all, damn. Second of all, that's going to be a lot of money that's going to be given out even to Carlos Correa. And out of all those guys, the youngest one, ironically, is Carlos Correa. So, you know, because you have your Chris Taylors of the world, right? You have your, uh, you know, your utility options in, in, in Kike Hernandez, for instance, who's also having himself a, a fantastic summer or spring, I'm sorry. I, I just don't think that the Dodgers are also willing to just, you know, barring catastrophic injury, of course, you know, I, I, I don't see Corey leaving. I, I don't. So it's one of those, it's, uh, you know, obviously Corey's an instructor's agent to do whatever, similar to kind of like the Justin Turner thing. But I, you know, I, I just don't see him leaving. I, I, I just can't see it in, in the cards, even if it's a shorter term deal. Well, it's interesting that you talk about the the leaving part because Bill Plunkett had a story, right, Babyface? I don't know. It was maybe about two weeks ago. Bill Plunkett was saying that Corey Seager wanted to play on the on the East Coast. He's from the Carolinas. So I think it's interesting that you bring up that the Dodgers are going to try to negotiate with him early um, to see. I mean, the guy is completely locked in. If you're watching him, he's hitting the ball wherever the ball is pitched. They throw it outside and he either goes left field for a base hit or it's over the fence. So, I mean, he is locked in. Health is going to be an issue and is, I mean, let me ask you this, Alonzo. Do you think Corey Seager is the kind of guy who is going to be distracted by contract negotiations during the middle of the season? I don't think so. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy that, that really worries about that because he he's, he, I mean, he's hyper-focused right now. And, you know, obviously that's going to be a, a point of contention, if you will. Um, So I, I don't foresee it being an issue, you know, and one thing, just something that I dug up earlier, just when I was looking around at stuff is, uh, the Xander Bogarts five five years hundred million dollar deal with the sixty year twenty million dollar option that essentially just looks like just a stroll in comparison to what these dudes are going to get because Francisco Lindor turned down uh, somewhere in the range of uh, you know he was reported a few years ago at least more than a hundred million dollars a few years ago and apparently you know he he also is wanting to command about three hundred million dollars. And Lindor, in some cases, is considered the 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 upper echelon of the class with Trevor Story and Javi Baez, right? Javi Baez is going to get paid too. The main difference is though is this Baez and Lindor are a little older than Corey, so that's what's going to be interesting. Is if 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 let's say I don't I mean I don't know if the Mets are going to offer a 15 year deal. I, I don't know. They have the money now, but who knows? But whoever gets Lindor, if he's going to command 300 million dollars, let's say that dude gets. I don't know, 280. Someone's going to give Corey 280. Easy. The easy. I mean, and all all four of those guys, Trevor Story included, it's the same thing. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. And then the irony in all that is Trevor Story uh, has also been injured, you know, not often, you know, but he, he's, he's had the same issues. Correa, you know, they all have their baggage, is, I guess, what I'm getting at. Correa, obviously, the Astros. And, uh, and Javi Baez has been pretty consistent between all of them even though ownership is, you know, with the Cubs, apparently the reason they haven't indulged in, in extension talks is essentially just more like ownership doesn't want to spend. So I don't know if Javi stays there, right? But, you know, all of these guys have, for the most part, been in an MVP talk. So it's not like they're all trash or one's better than the other. I think they're all, it ends up being that 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D type of deal, right? I I just don't see Corey leaving, though. It just doesn't make a lot of sense just because he, I know he likes the culture. I know he likes what the Dodgers are doing. And again, barring a catastrophic injury, which obviously you don't wish on anyone, I, I just can't see him leaving, if I'm honest. Out of all, out of, out of all the upcoming free agents, if, if there's one dude that I feel like is kind of a lock, it's, it's Corey Seager. I know, and I never say fully a lock because anything can happen in free agency. I mean, look what happened with Key Karen Ennis. Right. No, I mean, absolutely. But if you believe Plunkett's story, I and mean, I don't. I don't. Which, I mean, what teams on the East Coast are going to need a shortstop, are going to have the money available to sign Seager? And most importantly, I think, I can't stress this enough, I don't want to be the downer of this group, but there's going to be a strike next year. Right. So maybe you're right. Maybe you go ahead and negotiate a deal this season 
because of that pending strike, because who knows how long the strike is going to be. We're still, you know, the pandemic affecting the economy the way it is. I know that especially the Rangers are going to be operating at full capacity. I don't trust these owners. Who knows how much revenue they're going to say they lost. I don't know if they're going to be handing out contracts like that. I mean, there's just a lot of variables, I think. So as much as I thought, well, you know, I think Seager's probably just going to bet on himself and just see, have a monster season and then see what he can get. But it sounds like there's just maybe a lot of variables out there. I mean, looking at another sport, like I think Anthony Davis took that money, that contract because of his injury history. And he's just like, I got to get paid because, you know, one game, my career could be over and I'm going to get my money. So, I, I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have, but I, I, I'm not so sure that he does stay, but I just think there's just too much up in the air. I think a part of the, the East Coast-like thing that Plunkett said, a lot of those teams don't make sense. The Mets don't make sense because they have Francisco Lindor currently, right? And obviously right. they're going to want to tie, try to tie him up. I don't Could the, know Phillies? If, Could the Phillies do it? I don't think the Phillies would want to drop that kind of money. If anything, I think they're going to go after Carlos Correa because he's younger. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I just don't think Corey would fit that nucleus. And what I mean by that is just the culture. The culture is different, right? Um, Tra- Trevor's story is an interesting guy out of all of those because Trevor also doesn't have the notoriety, if you will. And I don't mean that in a bad way but the attention that these other guys have because of where he plays. If, if you were to ask me who's the most complete ball player out of all these guys, I'd either say Corey or Trevor. Um, the only issue is, is you don't really see Trevor on national TV because he plays in Denver. So that's, that's the bummer with him. Right. And then the other stigma that comes behind it is the Coors field stigma. I don't think he's going to have that issue going anywhere else. Um, and again, the only other, t- the only team that kind of makes sense on the East coast that he would want to go play for is either maybe the Braves, maybe, and maybe Miami, but that's if Miami does some stuff, right. And, you know, Miami. Well, I mean, the Braves, the Braves make a lot of sense and yeah. because they're, I mean, they're close to Carolina. I just don't know. Do the Braves have those kind of pockets? Could they pay him? They can pay him for sure. It's just a matter of if they want to. That's the Cubs issue, right? That's why they haven't paid Javi. They've been reluctant to spend in the winters. So, and Javi, I mean, Javi is legit. You know, dude is was second in, in what, 18, I think, in MVP voting. And he's one of the most, I mean, renowned gloves in all of baseball. So it's not like he's some scrub, you know, just coming off of whatever. Um, and he was an all-star, I think, two times in a row. So, I mean, it's not like he's trash, you know, but it's just the Cubs just have been reluctant to spend. And I wouldn't be surprised. If, if any of these guys, one of them ended up in Atlanta because Atlanta does have the money. And at some point, obviously Atlanta, you know, they're getting, they're obviously a super young team, but they're, they're, they're missing a couple of pieces, right? Their pitching rotations, getting their, their infields pretty good. They're just, you know, shortstop is something they're a piece away from. So third base, same thing. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I mean, Miami also, they have so much money. <laughs> Miami has so much money. It's dumb. They just don't spend it because they're totally rebuilding. And all credit to, to DJ, their Jeter, they're they're doing a great job of rebuilding it in a responsible way. So that way they don't end up giving all these bad deals out. So, you know, it, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see which East Coast team would make sense. The reason I leave out the Yankees, the Yankees have been, aside outside of the Garrett Cole deal, they have been kind of reluctant to, to draw money. I mean, look how they even went about the DJ LeMahieu deal. You know, they, they kind of drag their feet about it. If you have DJ LeMahieu, you know, for the most part, you're going to pay him whatever, for the most part, what he wants, just because he's probably the best second baseman in, in the game right now. So for them to have dragged their feet the way they did, and I guess they were going back and forth of, of over not a bunch of money, but it also kind of gives you an indication of where the owners currently are. Because I, I, I'm, I'm with you. There's going to be a stoppage. There's no doubt there's going to be a stoppage, and I think it's going to be ugly. So for some of these guys if they want to stay with their respective teams currently, the one that makes sense out of all of them is Corey Seager. I mean, it's a good point. I, they have, 
they're going to have money dropping off, right? So yeah. is this is this Ken? This is Kenley's last year, right? It is. It is. Um, and that's that's why it's uh, you know again it's interesting going into you know as as we segue into Kenley, but uh, it's interesting as far as even how the timing of all that adds up because there's they're going to drop off a bunch of money in the next in the next well after the season. Yeah. So, I mean, they have no excuse. Uh, I mean, as I said, once the pandemic is over, that stadium will be full again. So they're going to be making the money. Um, I, I think just the big issue is the way the Yankees were hesitant with DJ LeMayu. I, I, I could see the Dodgers maybe having that hesitancy. Just it, I, I think the only issue with Corey Seager is his health. Other right. than that, it's a no-brainer. Of course you want that guy on your team. But, I mean, is he – okay, is he going to stay healthy? Not only is he going to stay healthy, how soon before you move him over to third? Because it seems like it's a given that he needs to be moved off shortstop. No, and I agree. I mean, it would also is going to be kind of a factor into that. It's Gavin Lux. If Gavin Lux is, in fact, the second baseman, and if, you know – obviously then there's going to be some guys that kind of become expendable for lack of a better term. And Chris Taylor's one of those guys, you know, Chris Taylor's 31. He's kind of a, a, a super sub as, as Kike used to refer to, to him himself and jock and he can play all those positions. You know, the only difference is that Corey and JT and Gavin probably all well, actually I know they all have better arms than Chris. So at those positions at least. So, it, you know, that that's another kind of factor to take into account there. And I don't think there's going to be a log jam, but, you know, obviously we have at least two more years of JT, right, at minimum. So if they move him over to third, Corey, that is, and then they bring in another shortstop or they bring someone up, which obviously isn't out of uh, out of the realm of possibility because the Dodgers have an abundance of riches. And as far as prospects go, that's also very real. I mean, that's, I guess if there's one problem that the Dodgers always have, they always have a problem with talent. <laughs> and it's, and it's one of those, like we learned with Kike and Jacques, right? They both left, they're raking in their respective teams, good for them. And they're getting the opportunity to play every day. Whereas with the Dodgers, because of the star power, that's the issue they were running into is they'd have those log jams. And once again, with that star power comes why Corey Seager is slightly underrated. I mean, a lot of people don't think that he's like a top five shortstop in some capacities and he for sure is, but a part of it is, is because of all the other names that are around him. So it's, you know, that's, that's, again, it kind of comes back to that super team aspect and where it gets crazier is we're talking about Kenley Jansen, who is, who is one of the better uh, closers that we've, we've ever probably seen, you know, obviously Mariano's the the standard, but at least in the national league, you know, he's been crushing it. And now, you know, he's kind of I, the vibe I get with him is like, everyone's treating this like a swan song. And I think that's kind of garbage, but, uh, but it is what it is. It's a part of the business, right? You know, and, and he was pretty candid this week about kind of everything. And I, I, I was telling you guys before we started this today that I, I'm surprised as to his candor, but that's a part of the reason why I think it's kind of like the swan song, if you will, yeah. just because of how candid he's been. And I, and I know, we, you know, we talked about the piece, but if you haven't seen the piece, uh, you know, he, he talked with a couple of outlets um, and he, he was very, you know, concise, but also pretty open. And uh, one of the, uh, the the lines that I took away from it was, I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of doing. And that's, you know, kind of let you know kind of where his mindset is. And then another line that, uh, that he threw in there was 17 years in this organization. And I can't take any of them for granted. Again, it, it kind of seems like that, that swan song kind of, uh, kind of vibe, if you will. And, uh, you know, and again, you know, the, he's also aware of the game though, you know, because he did say also, that uh, it's a team sport, and when someone falls, someone picks you up. And most of the time, I pick everyone up. Most of my career, uh, it's been it's it's been me picking someone up. So it's a team sport. And Julio was throwing the ball right the whole postseason, and that's that's what mattered. And and you know I'm paraphrasing, but uh, you know for him to acknowledge that sort of stuff, not only is it cool to see, obviously because he understands his his place. But it's also interesting to see that because, again, everyone's been talking about where he's at, you know, his velocity. Roger was talking about his velocity before we came on. And, and Dave Roberts had even said that, that you know, he's had, uh, I think, two or one good outing this spring so far. His location of the cutter was there. His two-seamer was there. Uh, I think he had a swing and a miss on a breaking ball. 
So it was all good. They felt good about it, you know, and, I, and, a, and a part of it is obviously Dave is a player's manager. You've talked about this one where he wants to back his guy. So, you know, I, sometimes in the spring, especially when it's a good outing or a first outing, you have to take that with a little bit of grain of salt, if you will. But, uh, but I mean, so far I would say that the present looks pretty good for Ken because you obviously can't put too much stock in spring training stats, but he's looked, you know, like Kenley Jansen, even with the reduced velocity. I'm kind of curious to, you know, obviously that, that was all, it went a slightly full circle, if you will, but I'm kind of curious to what your take was on the Kenley piece and how he's looked so far. Yeah, I, I, I picked up on the same thing you picked up. Uh, I think it, it, it almost felt like one of those uh, interviews where you come to the end of the line, you see the writing on the wall, you know you're not going to be around anymore, so you're just going to let it all out. You're just going to say everything that you, that you want to say. I, I will say this. Um, I know, especially I, I've been hard. I mean, one of my hot takes this year was that by the middle of the season, this season, he is no longer going to be the closer. Uh, I think what happened seeing that, uh, seeing that, uh, listening to him talk like that, I think you can't help but be a little sentimental because the guy is the all-time saves leader for the Dodgers. The guy did give a lot of good seasons. And it just made me sit there and think to myself how tough it must have been for him to see Urias close out that the World Series. Uh, I'm sure he was very happy. He was very happy because he finally won a championship. But at the same time, for so many years, that guy was the dude. That guy was the man. He might have had an opportunity in 2017 to close out a World Series. But you know what happened in Game 7. So he never got the opportunity to be on the mound when your team wins the World Series. And finally, when you have that opportunity to not be out there on the mound to get to experience that, that's got to mess with your head. So see him going into this season. I, I can't disagree with anything he has said. He is saying all the right things, but there uh, there's a part of me that does feel like I don't want to, this is not the right way to say it, but I'm having a hard time coming up with a better way of saying it. It's almost like, I, it's not that he's defeated. It's just that he's accepted that maybe his time with this team is now done. Uh, I'm sure another team will probably sign him in the off season or who knows, maybe he'll sign with the Dodgers for less money. But that interview did sound a lot like with him just coming to terms and accepting that, Hey man, I did a lot for this franchise and you know, I, I should be recognized for what I did in the past. And it was interesting because, you know, he hasn't given up a run this whole spring training. Right. He topped out at 92 miles per hour yesterday when he pitched. You know, he looks like he's in great shape. Again, he, he didn't go back to Curacao in the offseason. And normally that's what he does in his routine. He stayed here in L.A. So, again, he says all the right things. He went back to work. He's trying to recapture that form. Dylan Hernandez in the LA Times has a great article where it's just like, this all looks familiar. We've seen this from Kenley Jansen the last few years. The season ends. People are still questioning him. Oh, it's time to move on, move on. He shows up. He says he's done all the work. He's going to be better. He's going to be better. And then by halfway through the middle of the season, we're all having heart attacks in the ninth inning because he can't put the Diamondbacks away. Right. So, I, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, and you talked about this off air. There was a time where that guy was pitching 95, 96 miles per hour. Now he's, you know, in the low 80s, early 90s. These are professional hitters. If and he is so dependent on movement on his pitches, if he doesn't have those that that movement he's out there just pitching batting practice. So as much as you want to root for him, because this is going to be his last year and you want him to go out on a high note, it's just, I can't help but feel like a certain sadness that this poor guy didn't get to have his moment where he got to say, I closed out the world series and I want it for the team. I think, you know, with geek leaving, and Jock leaving, you know, those guys had big, huge postseason moments. Could you say that about Kenley? What would you say Kenley's biggest postseason moment was? 
and no, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Um, you know, regardless of what happens this year or after he's the Dodgers all-time leader in relief appearances, relief strikeouts and saves. And to add, you know, kind of the, the topping to the, to the already, you know, prestigious career that he's had, you know, when, when, when it's all said and done, he's a dude that was a catcher that moved to move that moved to the mound. And that'll go down as one of the best decisions in franchise history for the Dodgers, right? They converted him from a catcher to a pitcher. So, you know, the, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the five-year $80 million contract, obviously it's, it's high risk, high reward, you know, with, with any sort of a relief pitcher, you know, you look back at like the, the Dave Robertson deals, you know, the, you know, the, those, those relievers that, that got paid a bunch and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. I feel like, you know, the Dodgers were hoping for three solid years and then we can kind of deal with two years that are decent because they, they were trying to build a, you know, a, a better bullpen. Obviously that happened last year. You know, who we're going to be talking about like that for is Joe Kelly. Right. Joe, and, Joe and, Kelly's and, turning into what you just described right now. Yes. And I mean, the, the reason they brought Joe though is, is for, for the postseason. you know, the, his, his postseason stats are, are pretty consistent. And obviously he, he will always live in Dodger lore because he threw at the Astros, but you know, it's, he, he, that in itself was worth it. Right. The other interesting thing about Kenley, before I forget, stats-wise, he's 64 strikeouts shy of becoming the fourth pitcher with a thousand relief strikeouts in the National League. Just you know, for 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 the sake of so you know who the other thousand guys are: Billy Wagner, Trevor Hoffman, Tug McGraw, John Franco, Kenley Jansen, Lee Smith. So I mean, that, that's nothing to bat an eye at, right? You know, he he's he's had a hell of a career. It's just, you know, but, but again, the swan song thing kind of sticks out with me because of, of one thing that he said, and I quote, I want to go out there and compete and get better each day, knowing what I'm capable of doing. Whenever the ball comes into my hand, whatever outs, I'm just going to go out there and get the job done and try to help us win another championship End quote. So it's one of those things where I think he understands that he's probably not going to be the closer. And I'm okay with that. If, if a guy goes into it, knowing that they're not a closer, then it makes it easier to not only have whether it's, you know, obviously we don't know who the closer is yet, but all things indicate that it could be Bruce Dargraderal. And, you know, you're, you're grooming that guy to be the closer next and, and kind of passing the proverbial torch, if you will. And that's, you know, if for a guy to say that sort of stuff, that's fantastic to hear because David Price said something similar. You know, David Price understands where his place in the game is. And obviously with, with Walker Bueller, and uh, Trevor Bauer pitching the way that they are, and Clayton Kershaw has also been doing. You know, uh, he's, he's not he's not been struggling either. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like whatever it is that these guys want me to do, I want to do because it all comes back down to the same goal: winning another championship. So I I I appreciate Kenley though being super candid and kind of letting everyone know what's what's kind of going on through his through his, uh, through his headspace. But the one person that I'm curious to hear about this, because obviously he bleeds blue harder than everyone on this current podcast is, uh, is Roger. Roger, what do you think of, uh, of Kenley's comments, if you will, from that, a uh, fantastic piece, uh, in the LA times. No, I agree with what you guys are saying. Um, swan song year, um, you know, and Kenley, Kenley's been one of those guys, you know, you think Dodgers last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, he's been the man. So, you know, now seeing him, it could be the end of, you know, his Dodger career. And I think, you know, he knows that, but as, as, you know, Dave Roberts has said, he is still the man that's going to close things out. You know, when you're looking at, at how spring is going right now, um, Bruce Starr hasn't even pitched. Um, Joe Kelly hasn't pitched. Um, have we seen much of Blake Trinan? I don't believe we have. So there's really nobody out there that's competing to take that job from Kenley right now as is. So, you know, we do expect to see Kenley, you know, starting out the season as a closer and we'll see how it goes. You know, will we be able to close out those games? Like you guys mentioned, you know, when he's trying to close out the D backs or, or the Rockies that first series in Denver. So, you know, I think it's kind of, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how this year goes. You know, what we've been talking about, you know, with Kenley is, can he adjust if his velocity is down? Can he adjust? Can he come up with a different pitch? Can he do something else to get those outs? And, you know, it, that remains to be seen. But, you know, you know, I, I, I'm thankful for what Kenley's done. And, and I think he knows, you know, 
it's a game that you got to produce, you know, you got to go out there and you got to produce and do your best, you know, or else, especially with a team like the Dodgers loaded with so much talent, you know, he knows that even what he's done for this organization, he knows that there's guys on this team that can go out there and, and, you know, are gunning for his job. Absolutely. And again, it's, he, you know, he, he's had a hell of a career and I, you know, I know I'm saying this like past tense, even though he's still playing, I just, the way that I look at it is that's a guy that's aware of, where he's at and that's not a knock to him if anything i respect that a thousand percent because he's fully aware where he's at and i would rather a guy tell me where he's at than just that you know kind of throw him to the wolves for lack of a better term just because baseball is so psychological that it's you know it's one of those things that you can't let a guy kind of you know that that sort of stuff live rent free in your head you know what i mean because it's gonna you know obviously that you know he, he didn't he, he was robbed of one world series moment in 2017 and then last year it wasn't that he was robbed he just struggled to be able to to produce but he also acknowledges that so that that gives me kind of an idea of where he's at where his head is at and and you know obviously at the end of the day you know professional baseball is a business and he knows that the dodgers have to do what's best for business and if he's in the cards for next year fantastic he might take less money you know because this is the one organization that he knows but if he wants to keep you know throwing and, and, you know, maybe try to be a full-time closer still that might have to be somewhere else, you know, just because the arms, you know, the arms races never stop. Right. So the Dodgers are always going to be in that arms race, no matter what. And obviously they they showed how aggressive they're willing to be because they went out and got Trevor Bauer this year. So, and they got Corey Knable, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how the season progresses, but I agree with, with, uh, with Juan's, original hot take from you know before the season started and everything i don't think that kenley ends up finishing the season as the closer i just it just i just don't see it but you know what careers are things that happen <laughs> so i mean anything's possible too you know it's also possible because you don't need velocity to have that movement that he has i mean mariano rivera threw the same damn pitch for 118 years so it's it's one of those things where where we've seen crazier things right but obviously that era and that chapter and that era has closed and now it's a totally different game. So anything's possible, but you know, we, I wish I do wish Kenley the best. I, I, I hope for that, you know, kind of the happy ending, if you will, that he can kind of control his own destiny and, and go out how he wants to, wants to go out. Cause I mean, he's all, you know, again, tip of the cap, he's had a, he's a hell of a story and he's had a hell of a career and no one can, can ever take that away from him. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I know it sounds like I'm calling him a chump, but that's the thing, you know, with fans, right? It's what, what have you done for me lately? And, you know, Kenley just was sometimes when he comes in games, it just creates this, this, you know, level of stress and anxiety. It's like, oh no, here comes Kenley, you know, and immediately it seems like there's one or two, uh, you know, runners on whenever he comes into pitch. But you're right. I think we should give this guy his flowers in the sense of the guy is the all-time saves leader for the Dodgers. And who knows, maybe he would have had more postseason moments. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking he came in and pitched those middle innings of that game five series against the Nationals. But he lost that moment because Kershaw came in to get the last outs, right? So Jansen didn't have the that 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 moment to share. But when you come to think about it, this is a converted catcher. This guy started his career as a catcher, made it to the major leagues as a relief pitcher. Not only did that, but then decided, you know what? I'm going to be like Mariano Rivera. So out of all the people that you can be, you choose to pick the best reliever of all time. And you know what? He did a pretty good Im imitation of Mariano Rivera for the most part of his career. So I, I, I don't want to end it on, on a down note for him, but I, I think you couldn't help but go there because you picked, that was the tone I feel of that interview with him right. was exactly what you're talking about. So I, I, I hope he gets his due this year, even if he doesn't, you know, resign with the Dodgers. If this is, in fact, the last time we see him in a Dodger uniform, I hope the fans really, you know, try to, you know, forget the last few moments, shaky moments of him on the mound and just recognize him for his whole career. And, and he did win a lot of games for the Dodgers. No, absolutely. And again, it's one of those things where we talked about it before. 
the chapter's closing kind of on, on this iteration of the Dodgers that's won all these division titles, won a championship, and now they're just trying to get younger. Nothing wrong with that. It's not to say that Kenley's even terribly old, but, you know, that's just kind of where it's at. But speaking of the new chapter, a part of that nucleus is uh, the, 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 young, the young buck, the young Cody Bellinger. And Cody, wow, and that's what we call in the business a segue. Good pull segue. there, my friend. Good pull. The uh the, the Cody Bellinger, we so we, we saw him make his debut, right? And my man changed up his, his batting stance. And I by the way, I have to say, I think it's funny when people that have never played the game dissect a batting stance. I think it's hilarious because it's like, okay, yeah, you're gonna tell this guy who's a former MVP to go to do whatever, shut up. Like you're sitting on a couch eating potato chips, pipe down. But <laughs> anyway, he he uh, he he didn't look too bad, you know, considering the shoulder issue. Because I mean, dude hit that ball with an exit velocity of 107-ish miles an hour, so I think he's okay. Uh, what what uh, what say you about Cody's uh, debut in the spring? Um, look, I, I can't think of another uh, elite player of the league that has changed his or tweaked his batting stance. Uh, as much as him. The last person that I could think of that changed his batting stance as much as Cody Bellinger did was Cal Ripken. I feel like Cal Ripken every year was changing where he had his hands, the position of his bat. Now, mind you, Cal Ripken also had a lot of years where he hit like 250, you know, so maybe that was he had reasons to try to tweak. Um, but I am interested to see, I mean, if this batting stance helps him, I was watching the game the other day. It seems like his shoulder's fine because he swung from his shoelaces on one and he was still standing. So it looked like his shoulder is fine. If I am curious to see if this, if this change helps for him, um, only just because there is that trend that started, he had his rookie year and then the next year was a down year. Then he wins the MVP and last year was a so-so year. So does this mean we're going to have a huge year from him? Uh, that would be great because I, I, you know, it's so hard to tell with spring training, right? How much of it do you take seriously right now? It feels like to me, Oh my gosh, we need Corey Seager to carry us because Max Muncy, I think, only has like two hits the entire spring training. But who knows? Once the season starts, maybe Max Muncy starts hitting. So, you know, I think it's we're going to have to rely on those guys. And Cody is one of those guys that if he is on, if he's having like a season like he had his MVP season, it just makes this lineup even more dangerous because you're going to have Mookie, you have Corey Seager, you have Turner, then Bellinger. And I mean, who, who do you pitch to? Because whoever you pitch to could hurt you. And you forgot Seager, Juan. Because he's underrated, I told you. I, uh, you know, I, I told you before, cause you'd made a, a hot take that, that Cody was going to struggle a little bit, like before the season started. Yeah. And I had said that I don't expect that to be an issue just because he's, he's still super young, right? He's still super young and can, and, and still is working through the mechanics. But, I mean, we're talking about a shoulder, sir. Uh, I mean, shoulder surgery. I mean, Adrian Gonzalez said it took him a year to get back to feeling normal after he had his. But if I'm not mistaken, when he had his shoulder surgery, I think he was 30. So, I mean, Point once taken. so once once you're 30 and over, it's a little different. You just turn 25. So I, I'm not necessarily worried about the shoulder per se, in part because he also played through it after he was hurt. So it, it sounded like it was just more of like, a, you know, that arthroscopic, I can't ever say that word, <laughs> uh, uh, type of surgery. And listen. I've been scoped and it's one of those things where it's annoying for a while. And then after you get better, but granted, I've never been scoped after 30. So, you know, it's one of those things where I, you know, it could go either way, but regardless, I don't think that the Dodgers are overly worried about him. I've heard a lot of people say that he's kind of like all, you know, all, all, all boom or all bust. There's no, there's no gray area. And listen, he's still 25. You know, he, granted, he, he has all the accolades. You know, he, he won the MVP, all that jazz, right? Get it. So we know that the, the ceiling is still there. I, what's crazy about Cody is I don't even think that he's officially hit a ceiling yet, in part because he's had to work on his swing. 
you know, he's still, he's, you know, obviously the game changes and it's just getting faster. So he's only getting better. That's what's kind of scary about a guy like Cody Bellinger. Um, so I, I'm not overly worried. Uh, the only thing that I'm worried about is if like, let's say he makes another tweak to the already tweaked stance and it goes backwards, right? If yeah. he goes backwards and on, then right then and there, you're like, what the hell? Like I can't hit anymore. Then you're in a slump. And that's, and, and you hear the stories of guys all the time. They're, they're just, mentally in a slump and then it turns into not only for the mental component but to the production component chris davis crush davis is, is one of those stories that you hear about a lot yeah it was i can't remember what the, it was over 28 or over 48 something like that and even he just at some point just had to be like bro you can hit <laughs> like you can do this you don't have to worry about anything else like you can absolutely do this you hit 40 something home runs one year so you can absolutely do this so it's one of those things where I'm not, I'm not worried about that. The only thing I'm worried about is if he continues to tweak that stance, it's just like anything else. Cause again, baseball players are, are creatures of habit. We've talked about this when you start messing with that stuff, that's when it gets weird. So I, again, I'm not overly worried. I'm just more worried about that happening. And if, if he's comfortable with the stance, which everything that, you know, we've seen as far as, you know, what he was asked about, is that he felt great about it. So I will take that, especially after surgery. I will absolutely take that. Because as you know, baseball, the season itself, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you just kind of have to be able to get through, you know, the first half injury-free, kind of work on that stuff that you're working on because every day you have something to work on and then focus on the second half and kind of carry it on. So I'm not worried about that. But, um, well, you know, what I am curious about is now, because for those of you who haven't seen his new stance, it is an open stance. And he's got both of his eyes now facing the pitcher. Uh-huh. So uh, I would love to see if, if he's going to use more of the field now. Like, I would love to see him hit the way uh, Corey Seager hits. But th- my question is, is now that he has two eyes facing the pitcher, is he going to be able to see through that stoner uh, haze <laughs> that he has that it seems has carried since the postseason last year i uh i mean first of all i'm still waiting for him to tell me the strain <laughs> uh, i'm i'm the dms are open cody um <laughs> and then second of all uh i actually think the the point i was going to make uh and it's no fault of you because you know i was going to make this point but that's fine the the thing that i'm hoping to see is that he hits more more opposite field hits yeah. this year um because of the way that he that he's standing now um i'm hopeful of that and honestly i think that'd be more beneficial because to your point they have a murderer's row if cody's is is healthy even without cody being fully healthy and struggling as you saw last year they have a murderer's row you have max muncie you have mookie betts you have justin turner you have Corey Seager, the underrated Corey Seager. you know you, you top to bottom you know and baby austin barnes now himself can he's got the dad strength he can crush you know, and, and then we're forgetting about AJ Pollock, you know, so all these guys exactly. can rake, all of you guys can rake. And then you throw in Chris Taylor, then you throw in Matt Beatty. All of them can rake. David Price hit a single and flipped a bat today. Yes, I mean, everyone did. can rake. So, so I, you know, I, I don't, I, that's why I've not been worried about Cody because the other issue that you run into with, with a, with a slump is, oh man, like there isn't somebody there to, to protect you as they used to say with Barry Bonds. You don't have that protection there. Albert Pujols had that protection as well, right? Cody doesn't have to worry about that. They have they have all the protection in the world up and down that lineup. And if he's the one that ends up struggling because of X, Y, and Z, I'm not overly worried about it just because they, they have that protection. And also, I'm not worried about it because the Dodgers aren't worried about it. If they were worried about it, they wouldn't be openly talking about the target dates for Cody all that stuff. If there's anything that we've learned about the poker face of the Dodgers, they obviously, you, you would know if there's concern somewhere to a certain degree because they either wouldn't talk about it or if they did talk about it, they'd beat around the bush in some way. And they, they haven't done that, right? So I, that's another reason why I'm not overly worried. The insane thing is, let's say Cody ends up, you know, having to down the line be a DH because I honestly do think the universal DH will, will be a thing after this upcoming strike. If, if Cody ends up having issues with whatever, he, he's the another perfect candidate for a DH too. So uh, again, I, I don't think anyone's worried because that's usually where you stick that guy that's slumping, right? You throw him in the DH spot, go get the reps. Don't worry about any of the fielding. 
you do that. I'm not worried about that, especially with this team, because they also have the ability to, to protect Cody that way too. Hey, you're not having a good game. You know what? CT3 is on the bench. Let's, let's throw in CT3. Don't worry about anything. Just, just take a day off. So again, the, the embarrassment of riches comes back and it's kind of a running theme with this team, but that gives you an idea of where they're at. So that's why I'm not overly worried at, at all. And, and as we speak of just embarrassment of riches, also there's roster cuts this week. It's down to 45. One of those guys that was on that roster that you had made a hot take about uh, was Josiah Gray, who ended up getting cut. Um, Keeper Ruiz, or not cut, sent down, I should say. It's not football. Uh, Keeper Ruiz, Josiah Gray, the two top prospects in the organization, according to MLB Pipeline, of course, uh, they they were sent down. Now, Keeper Ruiz was kind of expected, obviously, because he came to camp late because of easy issues. And also uh, the Fresh Prince, and uh, Baby Mookie, as uh, Roger calls Austin Barnes, are both there. They're both doing fine. And obviously, Austin is also Clayton Kershaw's personal catcher, so that he wasn't going to go anywhere. But uh, I'm, I'm curious to, uh, to, to kind of hear your take on, on everything, though, is, is – and one thing I will say, by the way, about Kiebert, uh, Dave Roberts actually had a, a, a solid quote that I, that I wanted to, to point out on Kiebert. Quote, we just didn't see, get to see him as much as we would have liked just very impressed with the way that he looks and the way that he had and how he's mature. I, I, one thing that, uh, before we kind of dive into the other cuts that I wanted to point out is we've, I've heard it. And I know Juan even alluded to it earlier before we came on to record this. Kibber Ruiz is, is an attractive trade piece for someone, someone, someone needs a catcher. You, you always need a catcher, right? Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious to what your prediction is for Kibber's future with the Dodgers organization. Uh, exactly what you just said. I mean, it'd be a great trade piece for whatever we need. I think if we have a chance to win a championship and we need to get a, a piece, that's probably the first guy you're probably going to be willing to get rid of. But I mean, look, the thing is, is Will Smith is still, it's still early in his career. We don't know if this is the Will Smith that we're going to get every year. Austin Barnes has had a good spring. Uh, so we don't know. I mean, is this going to be a new the Austin Barnes that we saw last year or is Austin Barnes going to revert back? You know, we use this expression so much with this Dodgers organization. It's just an embarrassment of riches. This is a good problem to have that Kiebert can't make the roster. If there is an injury, if Barnes or Smith goes down and then you bring up uh, Ruiz, look, we had to look no further than what Cody Bellinger did to Adrian Gonzalez. Reese could go, you know, start playing and he may force the Dodgers hand in the sense that we can't get rid of this guy. And who knows, maybe we're trading Will Smith. Maybe Will Smith is the guy that we use to go get somebody else to to um, uh, to, to put us over the top. I, you just baseball so crazy. You just don't know. I, I think it's very encouraging to hear Roberts say that, that, that he's, he's made changes and for everything that I've seen from him, he just, he, he looks like a player, a ball player, and he's a unicorn, you know, he throws right and hits left. I mean, I, you know, that's something that you, it's going to make him very appealing. So I, I think you hold on to him. I don't think you get rid of him unless you absolutely need to, or you're going to get something that's going to put you over the top. Now, Josiah Gray, I will say this. I don't know about you guys, but the times that I've seen him in spring training, this he had a real Edwin Jackson vibe going for me. Uh, <laughs> the games that I saw him in, he got hit hard. Uh, he was prone to the home run ball, and it just it looked like he was not ready. Uh, he looks like he still needs more time in the minors. Uh, one thing about Kiebert, not only is he a unicorn in the sense that he, you know, throws right and, and hits left, he also hits left for power. So, and he's a catcher, a power hitting catcher. The, uh, the homie, uh, Jeff Mathis, a uh, longtime friend of mine who can't hit to save his life, but <laughs> is the, in, in my opinion, the best framer ever is one of those, you know, he shows you what is, is the expected of a catcher, right? Kiebert and Will Smith are those unicorns where they not only hit and rake, but they also both hit for power. So that's kind of what's, again, the embarrassment of riches that the Dodgers have. And in reality, they have three catchers that can do that because Barnsley, when he's, when he's on, that dude can hit for power too. So 
it's one of those things where it's like, yo, this isn't even fair. But back to JoJo, Josiah Gray had a good camp. All in all, I think he had a good camp. He, he's only going to get better, and he needs to fine-tune some stuff. I think he's going to, you know, obviously he's going to headline that AAA rotation once those games start in May, I think it is now, because they pushed it a month back. Um, so really from him to go from now until when they start up in May, it's just going to give him an opportunity to, to work on, on that stuff. Because the thing that the Dodgers are doing, they're making it super clear. The starters are building up. And one thing that Josiah probably hasn't done is build up as a starter at this level. And that's fine. That's a hundred percent fine because how often do you walk into a clubhouse and your horses are Trevor Bauer, Walker Beeler, Clayton Kershaw, Julio Diaz, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, David, you know, again, so David Price. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, for a young guy like, like Jojo to, to try and build up as a starter with those guys, he's just not there yet. And, and that's not a knock on him. He's still working and fine tuning on stuff. Right. So I, I do think that he has a bright future. I'm not worried about him. I just wanted to bring him up in the sense that I know that you were, had made your, your prediction was that he was going to low key make the bullpen and, and do the thing, which kind of further proves the point. He needs to build up as a starter. Also, it's good to see that the Dodgers are being open about that with him. And like, yo, we want you to be a starter. We, we don't want you just to come to the show to get service time. We don't want you to come to the show just to come to the show. We want you to have longevity and we want you to be a starter in this rotation. That's outstanding to hear. Um, you know, the business obviously is, is a different dictator of stuff, but I digress because at the end of the day, if, if management is saying that stuff to you, that's not a bad thing. But aside from those two guys, Jacob Amaya, Gerardo Carrillo, Michael Bush, Cody Hose, Andy Pages, Bobby Miller, and Ryan Peapot, by the way, another attractive trade piece to some guys out there, uh, were among other uh, prospects that were a part of that cut. Uh, he, he, that dude, Peapot, I'm pretty sure I'm saying his name wrong. I apologize, but you guys know who I'm talking about. He, that dude has an elite changeup. And if that dude can locate that changeup, not only will it be elite, it has the potential to be one of the better changeups in the game. And then you add another pitch or two to that, and it's not fair. He's already got a sick heater. If he can add in a curveball to that or a slider, you know, that that's on par with those other pitches, that dude's got a bright, bright future. The dude that I've, I've, I've been asked a lot about leading up to the, the Trevor Story stuff as well is Andy Pages. Apparently the Rockies had asked and kicked the tires on Andy Pages if for, for any potential Trevor Story – or not Trevor Story, I'm sorry, uh, Nolan Arenado deal when all that stuff was happening. But anyway, the point of that is that gives you an idea of how good these players are, and it just shows you the embarrassment of riches that the Dodgers have because all those names that we threw out there are prospects that folks know. And that's before we even get to Luke Rayleigh. And that's before we get to Ryan Noda, who's someone that I know that Rogers brought up in the past. Uh, Edwin Uceta, who, who struggled a little bit, but he's got some good pitches. So, I mean, the, the, you know, some of these guys, you know, that are, even though some of the, like, like uh, Kiebert and Rayleigh and Carrillo and uh, Uceta are all on the 40 man, but there were options to the minors. All of them have a, a pretty bright future going into it. As a part of those cuts though, Jimmy Nelson and Matt Davidson are still two of the notable non-roster invitees that are still on the roster. Jimmy Nelson's had a pretty good spring and he obviously he's continued to impress the Dodgers and Matt Davidson has, has had himself a pretty good spring too. You know, obviously he's kind of come out of the woodwork and it's like, okay, my man can hit. Uh, I'm curious. Do you think those two guys make the team? I, I think Jimmy Nelson does. And I mean, if Jimmy Nelson can stay healthy and we're, and we get the Jimmy Nelson that was on the Brewers in 2017. I mean, in 2017, he had an ERA of 3.49 and he almost had two strikeouts and, and only had 48 walks that year. I mean, if that's the Jimmy Nelson that we get and he's technically, I mean, he's pitching out of the bullpen. I, I, I mean, it's again, it's an embarrassment of riches and you can also you know, a starter goes down in the middle of the season, Jimmy Nelson can start a game for you. I mean, what kind of team has that kind of depth where Jimmy Nelson is your eighth starter? I mean, it's, it's, it's just embarrassing, but again, the key is health. Can this guy, you know, stay healthy? I mean, Brandon Morrow still hasn't even thrown. He's on a throwing program. 
So, I mean, that just goes to remind everybody, yeah, we have all these players, but, you know, injuries are part of the game. Can you overcome them and, and still win? Because there's still a lot of guys that we haven't seen or are behind schedule. We haven't even talked about, you know, Joe Kelly hasn't thrown yet. Uh, Bruce Dar is behind schedule. So because those guys are behind schedule, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it in the next in the next episode, once we start formulating what the bullpen's going to look like, because those guys are behind schedule, I think Jimmy Nelson has a really good chance of making this team and starts in the bullpen. Well, and Bruce Starr and Joe Kelly, from everything that I've seen, are unavailable for the opener, opening day. So obviously, I mean, the other thing that the Dodgers uh, have to consider if they elect to add Jimmy or Matt Davidson or any other non-roster invitee for that matter to the opening day roster, they'll have to make room on the 40 man roster. They still haven't officially moved Tommy Colleen who who had uh, Tommy John to the 60 day IL yet. So that's, that's one piece of it right there. Right. Uh, Joe Kelly and and Bruce star being injured. That's another Uh, one last thing on Matt Davidson. That dude has every opportunity to be a right-handed bench option for the Dodgers. He's, he obviously he he's experimented with pitching and that's one of the, the attractive things about him, if you will, because he could be a two-way player. Um, and I know the Dodgers like that about him. Um, obviously he, he could make the, the opening day roster as a right-handed bat off the bench. Matt Beatty is still the favorite to get that la- one of those last bench spots. He's had himself a solid spring, uh, but Matt Davidson is not out of the woods as far as, you know, competition goes. So you know, both of those guys have a, a pretty real opportunity to make the opening day roster. And you know what? That'd be great for them because those guys have, have they've grinded, right? You know, and, and, you know, Jimmy Nelson's an interesting story. So is Matt Davidson. And and one thing about Jimmy Nelson too, that dude's curveball is insane. Yeah. So, you know, it, not only does he command it, but damn, that's a crazy curveball. So, and he can get righties and lefties out. So it's one of those things where it's not a one dimensional thing. So all in all, obviously not a bad problem to have when you're talking about guys like that trying to make the roster and and then you throw all these other caveats into into play but right now the roster is down to 45 so by the time that we record another episode next week we'll be down hopefully to 40 and then we can talk about hey how does this look as far as going into the season going into the freeway series going into the end of spring but it's we're this close it's almost there but on that note we'll wrap it up Juan, do, did you have any uh, any complaints or uh, or uh, outbursts that you wanted to leave everyone with before we call it a day? No complaints are well. Maybe it is a little bit of a complaint, but it's a shout out to one of our followers on Twitter, Shawnee G. Uh, he rest- he responded uh, strongly to our episode when we were talking about uh, booziest fans. Oh yeah, yeah. And how low the Dodgers were. Shawnee just wanted us to make sure that we mentioned. Maybe the reason why we're so low on that list is because how expensive it is to uh, drink at Dodger Stadium. In particular, he made reference to the almost $25 price tag on micheladas. So shout out to Shawnee G. Uh, make sure you follow us also on, on the Twitter machine at Dodgers Bid. Oh, that's a fair complaint. I'll be honest with you. That, that, uh, I mean, obviously, in this economy, twenty-five bucks for michelada is is highway robbery. I don't appreciate that, but I digress because that's the, the if you want to keep Corey Seager, and and that's the price we're gonna have to pay. That's the price we're gonna have to pay because then after Corey, you know, you you have Cody, then you have yeah. then you have Julio, <laughs> and then you, and and the list keeps going on and on, and then Trevor Bauer potentially again. So it's one of those things where uh, once again I digress because I I just. I'm just a, a washed up guy that talks on, on a podcast, but <laughs> on that note from your boys, Alon Juan and uh, the, the, the safest chauffeur on the West coast, the baby face gimmick, Roger. Thank you guys. Once again, for tuning into another edition of the bleedless podcast, uh, give us a follow on the Twitter at Dodgers beat at the BNA one eight and at blue film revolt, blue revolt film, son of a bitch. <laughs> I, it's okay we still have a long season ahead of us it's true listen my streak was one so yeah that's true we start over a streak is a streak so i'll take it we're gonna but, break uh, joe dimaggio don't worry about it it's okay i have time but uh, but on that note thank you guys again we appreciate the uh uh the support oh and one thing i will say someone sent me a dm about this the reason that we ask you to subscribe or leave a review or whatever 
we're, if we're trying to book people onto this podcast, obviously they can't just go like check out our podcast and be like, Oh, that's sick. They only have five star ratings and they have three of them. So, you know, we want to get guests on here and that's one thing that helps it and makes it easier to book people. So, uh, to, and I apologize. I don't remember who sent me that DM fair question. So there's your answer. That's why we asked for that in the ad reads. Uh, so again, please subscribe, please leave ratings. Any feedback is always appreciated. So that way we can, I don't know, maybe try to ask like Vince Gullion or something, or like do an all Spanish episode with like Manny Moda, something. But uh, the only way that we can do that is if they know that we're legit and not just some weirdos trying to get them on a Zoom meeting. So uh, on that note, thank you again. And we'll catch you guys down the road next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.